Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through uh, podcasts. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. I appreciate all of it. Uh, I appreciate all the likes, the shares, as I keep saying. So let's just jump right into it. I have David Tianga back with Urban Vegan Roots. How are you doing in Queens, New York? How are you doing today, David? Good, good, good. Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Yeah, so we're going to jump right into it. I, we got into the restaurants, and we'll jump into the second restaurant and how that one got started and your uh, ghost kitchen. But we're going to leave off on the last question I asked you, which is mm-hmm. your favorite hip-hop artist of all time. Ooh, um, you know, I haven't even... It's crazy how busy we get because I remember when you asked me the question I was like damn I really got to think about this and now I'm like I didn't even really think about it all that much but off the top of my head anyone I think from Queens pretty much I would say maybe not a group but a movement like the native tongues I would say are people that really influenced me and really the hip-hop that I would love the most Tribe Called Quest, Brand Nubian, um, EPMD, uh, J. Rue the Damager. He wasn't part of the Native Tongues, but he was an era gang star, 110%. It all depends, I think, you know, on, on the year, you know. Um, but I would say that brand Nubian One for All album has pretty heavy rotation for a long time in my car. And uh, yeah, so I would say like that, that era, you know, those guys really are like the nucleus of what got me interested in hip-hop and you know i can't believe i forgot them but but honestly the beastie boys 110 percent because you know when i was a little kid um they were really like you know came out with license to ill as a kid i remember having that cassette and then called vt coming out and nobody felt that album and then later on it became uh a classic um the Dust Brothers produced it, and they also ended up producing Beck years later, winning a Grammy, and they were way ahead of their time. Um, and they were that album was the reason why sampling actually became a hot topic because they sampled so many artists; it was like insane. And uh, yeah, I I would say the Beastie Boys probably influenced me a lot, even in fashion. They were big like fashion icons. Um, they loved sports. Um, another thing I loved about the BCs, as, as well as Gangstar and Crash Call Quest, was in the lyrics you learn a lot. Remember, we spoke about how education is a big part of what we do at Urban Vegan. And I really think that came a lot from the hip hop that I listened to, because the hip hop that I grew up with was so much about education, right? So you would listen on your headphones, and every lyric mattered. Like you literally had to study, you would sit there. And you would listen to every word, right? Like, um, so you were always learning about something. And the BC Boys were people that mentioned um, musicians that they loved, the movies that they liked, or, you know, just weird facts. And I would have to go back and be like, oh, what does that mean? Or, you know, who is that? Who is it that they're talking about? Um, you know, uh, like, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, one of the lyrics is, I got more hits than Sarah R. O. And I was like, what the hell is that? And when I went and looked, he was the Japanese its leader of all time in baseball you know so these guys you know they were just like always studying 
and they were always putting what they knew in their music. So um, I guess speaking it, speaking about it with you, I don't say probably the Beastie Boys overall, but you know, heavy rotation, um, brand new being Gangstar, I would say, you know, DJ Premier was, you know, he's a, kind of a god to me in terms of his beats and everything, you know? So like a primo beat, you know it, you know? You know it as soon as you hear it. Um, and I think he really is indicative of an era of hip hop that I love. You know, um, well, and the Lost Boys aren't the Lost Boys from course, Queens yeah. also? Lost Boys, of course, yes, yes, yes. They just, you know, they didn't. The Lost Boys are amazing, and they were super unique. Um, Black Moon, super unique. I know they yeah. were awesome. I love the Lost Boys. I we uh, that oh, yeah, yeah. had influence on me all the way down in Washington D.C. for real. Oh, that's dope. That's dope because they were unique. The Lost Boys were unique. I don't. I don't even know if this. Um, I'm actually walking here with Miles. You know Miles. Uh, you know he he he, he knows hip hop uh, more than anyone I know. So, is there anyone that you think even sounds like the Lost Boys? I don't even think so. No, no, they were different. They were different. They were different. Yeah, the Lost Boys were different. They were that like sing songy, very Queens. Like I'm telling you, you could only find that like in Queens, like that sound. So yeah. Uh, awesome so how did like let's talk about where was your how did your confidence gain big enough to grow from manhattan to queens why queens i know it's where you're from but why go back there how'd you choose to go to astoria um in long island Uh city like how did you decide to do all that like what was the point where you're like okay i can make this work i'm gonna grow this into another borough well that's a good question um because uh, I questioned this a lot. Uh, it's funny that Miles is walking with me because enduring this, it, it, it actually really worked out because he was with me from day one with this. And he'll tell you, I questioned myself about opening up Spot and Queen many, many, many nights. Um, uh, I don't know. You know, I grew up in Queens. I just wanted to go to Queens. I don't think, um, you know, there's vegan spots in Queens, obviously, but. I just feel like what we bring, you know, is kind of a little different. And we wanted to grow the culture in Queens. We spoke about this in, 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 the, in the last podcast. Like, for us, it's really about culture. You know, it really, really is. It's more than food. So when you're doing things for culture, I think, and you're doing things because you love it, sometimes you make moves that, you know, might not be the best business moves. You know, like, especially in New York, you know, it's so hard and you want to, like, Everybody wants to turn that business over in a year. They want to, you know, they want the fast money. But what we're trying to do, it's it's not like that. Like, we really got to, like, grow it. We really got to wait for the right people to come around. We really got to wait for uh, people to even, like, feel it. You know, like, I, what drives me a lot is when people go in that I know really understand what I'm trying to do. And then I can, and then I'm like, oh, shit, all right, like, this is going to be all right. Like you're somebody like that too. Like I was really wondering, all right, let's see if, you know, let's see if the homie feels it. I know, you know, business, I know, you know, restaurants. So the fact that you were feeling it, I was like, all right, that gives me confidence to keep going. So once you have confidence and once you have a good time, then more people start feeling it, you know, that's, that's kind of what happened at, at uh, Carmine street. So, I mean, why Queens? I mean, quite literally, cause I grew up there really like, and I love it. And I really, wanted to bring the culture you know when it wanted to bring our our vegan culture to queens you know yeah 
Explain to me, you mentioned the basketball and playing basketball mm-hmm. in Queens and, and growing up there. Explain to me that, because I think it's different in New York than anywhere else, how that basketball, the basketball courts, like, bring in the neighborhoods and, and people find purpose there and anyone can play pickup, basically. And yep. so explain all of that a little bit. Let's talk about that basketball culture there, what it was like for you growing up and finding, right. you know, somewhat of... I don't know, your your people there or humans that you could relate to. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um yeah, I don't know what it is, what it was about basketball, but the, as soon as I touched the basketball, I like was like in love. It was like love at first sight, like I loved it. Um and you know, the great thing about pickup basketball in New York City is that you get a shot. You get a shot. You know, no matter what. Someone's going to be like, all right, you're in, let's play. But if you mess up that shot, right, if you're like, especially me, you know, I would be mostly in, you know, like these neighborhoods where like I was a a little brown kid, not too many Latinos were playing back then. I was short, whatever. It was like, I didn't look like I could play ball. So every time that I was out there in a new park, once people got to know me, it's different, right? But in a new park, it was like, you have to produce you have to produce. If you don't produce, forget it. You don't go back there. Like, no one's going to fucking, like, put you on the team. No one cares. Everybody wants to win. They want to run the court. They don't want to get off that court, right? So um, it was great because it taught me that it doesn't matter what you look like, you know. Um, it doesn't matter what people think you are, what religion you are. What color. It doesn't matter. If you could play ball and you can help people win, they're going to they're gonna like you. So I just think that that's kind of what I took in life and what we do, you know, with the people that work for us and even our customers. Like, like I said, like you're down and you're on the squad. We good. I don't care what you really believe. I don't think, you know, as long as you're not offending people, as long as you're not obstructing people, then, you know, you're going to be good with us. All we want to do is win. And for us is a, a win is giving people this culture. So um, I think that that's the, that's what I took mostly from the core and, I was lucky enough that for some reason at that age, I was good. You know, you get to be high school, you get to be college age, you know, these dudes, they get bigger, they get faster, they get stronger. You might not. So it's a different game. But being a kid, I was, I was, I was pretty good and, you know, I could survive and it kind of gave me a home. It, it gave me a purpose. I woke up, I knew I was going to the park. I knew I was going to play ball. I was there all day. So, you know. Yeah. So when you when you go to Queens now, you're you're going back to the roots of <clears throat> where you played basketball, where you mm-hmm. fought, loved hip hop. You're mm-hmm. now going in. You're setting up a new place. Tell, you mentioned it was different here because the other restaurant you sort of inherited, but here you were able to set it up with a blank slate. So right. you picked a location in Long Island City, but you had a blank slate. Explain to me the difference between the locations now. How have you grown this one? What's different about it? Why? Obviously, you called it a different name, but you also um, mentioned that there's you have more flexibility, I think is what the word you used, mm-hmm. but talk to me mm-hmm. about that. Well, um, I'm not sure if we touched on this the last time. I think we did, but I, I had a theater company. I was a writer for a while, and I love uh, theater and film, and I was a writer, and, you know, we created shows, and we did 
um, movies and TV shows and all that. So I love that creative aspect of life. Um, so, you know, I always wanted to bring that to the restaurants and I couldn't on Carmeister because the space wouldn't allow it. So when we started building this space, it was very important to us that we could pretty much shift, shape shift it into whatever we wanted. So um, we knew eventually we're, we're, we're going to be a big part of this space. So we kind of just left it open almost like uh, we could move the tables. So we have yoga there. We have somebody right now wants to do like a, like a roller, roller skating event. Like they want to like let people go in and do roller skating. Um, we do workouts, um, open mics, obviously, DJ nights, you know. Um, so I think it was just important for me to have a space where I could allow people to express themselves without charging an arm and a leg and, you know, just letting them ride and not have that stress, you know, like when I was coming up and I was doing theater, I had to always pay and I had to do things and it was like super expensive and, you know, it wasn't easy. So for us to be able to provide that because we're a restaurant, we make our money mostly selling food and alcohol. You know, the, the, the um, events part of it is, you know, it's like we're not living off that. So we can be a little less um, strict on how much money we need to make off of it. So that's always been a part of uh, what we wanted to do there. Like last night, we actually had an event. And at the event, we were talking to these old school dudes, you know, they're like my age, getting a little older, they're in their 40s. And, you know, they're kind of in the same space I am. Like they want to be more healthy. They want to do things, but they're like real New York dudes, right? So we're going to set up doing like these B-boy competitions with, uh, with uh, DJs and break dancers but it's going to be like non-alcoholic events, right? Because that's what we want to bring to the culture. We want to um, bring health and wellness, right? So, but now we're starting to link up with people that are truly in the culture, right? They're not in it like necessarily to make a ton of money or to have clout. They, this is how they live. This is what they truly believe. They, they're DJs. They love music. They're dancing. They, you know, they're dancers. They love dancing. And they're going to do it for as long as they can. And they just want a space to be able to express that and to have fun. And also now we get an opportunity to bring, you know, the vegan culture, the health culture to people as well in that within that culture. Right. Because I think in order to have an open mind and to be um, able to be relaxed and actually take information in, you have to feel comfortable. Right. And that's kind of our mission is to make our for, you know, lack of a better term, our people, like the people that love what we love, make them feel comfortable enough so they're allowed and they allow themselves to take in this information about health and wellness, which is really the main aspect of it where we, we you know, we want to, uh, I don't want to say help, but we want to give information to people to, so they can, if they want to live longer and they want to live healthier, that maybe they can do that, you know? When I think that there's not a lot of spaces out there where people feel at home doing that, and uh, and I mean your setup. I mean, talk about the decor. How'd you come up with the decor for the restaurant? How'd you come up with the setup? I know you guys have a stage. Um, I was there for an open mic night. Like, talk to me about those specific events. How you get people into do them? Like, 
How do you find people within the community? How do you find employees within the community? So on and so forth. Like, how do you really bring this together and, and launch it? I mean, a lot of it is, is, is Miles really doing a lot of work in, in industry, talking to people. He's a great people person. You know, uh, I'm not that great at that. Um, you know, like I said, he's really about the culture. So he knows a lot of the great people. And, uh, and a lot of it, too, is, I mean, the homie literally hung out with me there. Like, in the beginning, it was like not one person walking through the doors. And we would just hang out and be like, this is what we envision. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And many nights, you know, like, and, and believe me, in the beginning, there was people hanging out with us. And then they ended up not hanging out with us because, you know, it could get really, like, disheartening, right? Because you are so excited about something. But it takes time, right? And then, um, no lie, people just started walking in, like, "Hey, this is great! Like, what an amazing space! How long you been open?" Blah blah. Oh, I do, you know, I'm a DJ and I do this. Oh, I'm a yoga teacher. Do you want to? Are you guys open to having yoga classes? I do that. You know, it's like literally like that. Like, if you build it, they will come. You know, and then people start talking and. They talk to each other and then they see the events online. And then, you know, um, one thing I've learned is, you know, um, not a lot of people have vision. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, a lot of people, you have to kind of give it to them like, like already made. Right. So the more stuff that I put out, the more they envisioned it. Like when, you know, me and Miles were in there with my wife when it was like nothing. And we were like, like literally, like there was not one thing. And then we were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. This is what's going to be. But, you know, you could t- say that to people. They can't really envision it. So once we put the stage up, once we put the mic stands up, once we put the, you know, the, the drum kit up, then people started being like, oh, hey, I could do something here. So it took that slow build um, to really get people to come. And now we're really getting more traction, I would say. This month, we're starting to really get, like, more and more events, really exciting. Like, a, a good friend of mine, he studied with Win Hoff, um, you know, the breath technique guy. So he's going to come. We're going to put a little, like, like a ice tub in the middle of the space, and we're going to invite people to come and, and, and do, like, a Win Hoff session, which, uh, which is going to be really amazing. Um, so, you know, yeah, we're just, you know, we're just trying shit. I like people that try stuff that, like... Seriously, Miles laughs at me because he knows I get because I get involved with some crazy people sometimes. But you know, if somebody's like, "Yo, I want to like hang from the air," and I'm like, "Cool, let's go!" Like, if you're gonna do it, let's do it. People are gonna come, great. Right, let's let's do it. So I just think the more of you do that, the more you find your identity. You know, so you know, yeah. I agree 100%. So the menus differed a little bit from Queens to Manhattan. Was there a reason for that? Um, yeah, it's because, like I said, like you said, uh, I inherited the space in Manhattan. It's a small kitchen. Um, I got to build, a, you know, a little bit of a bigger kitchen in Queens. So we got so we got to do more. So we're doing pizzas, vegan pizzas there. We're doing and um, we also got a we have a, a chef in Queens who's super. Um, I would say innovative, but more. He understands our palate. Like he's uh 
as we like to say, he's bougie, <laughs> right? But but he but he gets but he but he knows flavor. So you know he he makes it bougie, but he he knows our clientele love the flavor. We love to like taste the food and have certain textures. Um, so you know we kind of got lucky with him. He's actually a kid from the south. He's from North Carolina. Um, good kid. So so far it's worked. He makes great food. Um, you know, we have these off the menu nights where he gets to, uh, do whatever he wants. People come, they do a prefix, you know, we have a DJ, um, becomes like a networking event. So yeah, um, I, I think it's just, uh, bigger kitchen allows us to do more. It's a really small kitchen on a uh, Carmine street. What are your, what are the most popular, <clears throat> excuse me, what are the most popular items on your menu? Like, what do you see people attracted to the most? Because I think we talked a little bit about trying vegan food and willingness to try that type of stuff um, and, and get the lifestyle and, and what it means and the diversity of food that actually exists in it. So I think it's important that we talk about what are your most popular items on both menus, the one in the city mm-hmm. and the, the one in... Um, queens um the one in the city is the chicken and waffles which is you know like the chicken and waffles but it's chicken on chicken um it's seitan chicken it's by far the like the one that everybody talks about the most um it was the last thing no no lie it was the last thing the, the, the original chef put on the menu he was like the you know the last day he was like I want to do these chicken and waffles. I had never had chicken and waffles, like, in my life. I don't even, I was like, but, you know, like I told you the last time, like, I let people ride. If you're an artist, I let you ride. I don't care. You know, let let the people speak. If the people are like, nah, this sucks, I'm going to be like, all right, take it off the menu. But if you want to do it, let's do it, right? So he did it. He put it on. And from day one, it was like people just loved it. They loved the chicken and waffles. I don't know what it is. Other, I, after that, they became so popular. I saw other vegan restaurants, you know, doing it, doing it. But for some reason, it's like ours are the ones that people really love. And that's really sustained us so much. Um, the mac and cheese, people love the mac and cheese. Uh, the Korean barbecue ones. Um, what else? Uh, the BLT. Um, you know, we do like just... The burger, we make our own burger. Actually, the first year that we were open, we won um, Best Burger, um, Best Vegan Burger in the city, but voted by meat eaters. Like, so there's this big burger, like, uh, group. Like, they vote for, like, the best burger in the city every year. And then the one year they did, uh, oh, let's just do, a, like, the best vegan burger. You know, and these dudes, they don't, like, they're, they're like, <laughs> they hate vegan stuff. That's but pretty they, cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they voted us number one. Like, they like our burger the most because we make our own burger. You know, like, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of vegan spots, they don't make their own burger. Like, it's not easy. But for us, we like, yo, we want to make our own burger. Um, so I think that they appreciated that, that, you know, we actually make it, right? So these dudes are like, look, if I'm not going to, if I'm not going to eat meat, I want to eat something that's like homemade. I don't want to have like a synthetic like substitute. So that's what we try to provide. What do you think the, what do you think like 
I guess actually, let me before I get in that question, like how did you, what brought on the idea to then expand it in the Bronx into a ghost kitchen? You talked a little bit about it before, but I mean, how did, how do you then expand this concept? Why do a ghost kitchen? Why not another brick and mortar like you have in Queens or in Manhattan? So why the transition? And are there going to be more ghost kitchens or more brick and mortars? Um, it's funny. I was just literally two minutes before we spoke, I was talking to Miles about this because, uh, you know, um, I think that, uh, I mean, well, it's very simple. It's just economics. I mean, opening up a ghost kitchen, it's probably anywhere from a fifth to a tenth of the price of opening up a brick and mortar. I mean, you can't even, you can't even compare it. It's insane how much cheaper it is and also to run it. The only issue I would tell people that are thinking about this is if you're not known, see, we already had a brand name. We people already knew us in New York City, right? So when we thought about the Bronx, we're like, damn, like we don't really have the manpower to open up a brick and mortar because it takes a lot of work. You need a lot of good people. You need people you can trust. You need it's 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 a monster, right? The ghost kitchens they do a lot of the work for you, and you don't need a lot of workers there. You need like these back of house guys that can cook, that are solid, that are um, you know, dependable, right? So we have a guy like that. Um, and I made him a partner and I said, yo, like, you know, if you do this and you do this for a year and you do it right, we just have a good job. You're going to own part of this thing. And then once, you know, this gets going great and you want to open up, up another one, there's going to be money to do another one. Right. So he's on board. Once he got on board, it was like, all right, we're good. And I know this dude, if he needed to, He'd work seven days a week. He would get it done. That's very, very important. Um, when you when you open up a brick and mortar, I mean, you need like five, six people like that. <laughs> and in these days, like that's not that's not easy. It's not easy to do, right? Um, so that was the reason why we did the the ghost kitchen. Um, you know uh, why? Because you know, as a business man i guess now i'm a businessman i you know you just you always want to grow you know like you don't want to stay still you want to grow you got to be smart about how you grow and this was this is a really smart way for restaurants to grow like i said especially if you already have a name we had a little name um you know the the, the ghost kitchen started out very well uh better than we expected um so we feel like we have a really good formula our food is also really good to go food you're talking about burgers, you're talking about waffles, you're talking about tacos, you're talking about pizza. You know, it's really, really made for to go, right? Um, so those were all, like, reasons why we went with Ghost Kitchen. Um, is there, I mean, I would love to open up more brick and mortar. I just, uh, I was just, like I said, I was just talking to Miles. Like, people are always telling me to go uptown, go to Harlem. That would be an amazing spot. I mean, you want to talk about the culture? I mean, that is the culture. You got the Latinos on one corner. You got the black people on the other corner. You got, you know, the Jewish people right around the corner. You got, you know, you got everyone. I mean, Harlem is it. Uptown is it. That is culture. We would do really well there. We just need to find the right people to team up with, people that are serious, people that really understand, you know, what it takes to a restaurant. Um, I wouldn't make it as big as, you know, Queens. Um, I'd, I'd keep it, you know, probably like 20, 25 seats. Um, and have like a little jazz spot, you know, like a, 
like, you know, I think I'm always going to want to do, like, some type of performing stage thing, but uh, it doesn't have to be big. What's your favorite part about this so far? Like having the ghost kitchen, what it, I mean, what have you seen growth there? What's the success been like? What's it like to deal with nothing but basically delivery drivers? I mean, talk about that a little no, bit. Oh, no, it's been great. I can't front. It's been great. But it's mostly been great because we've been able to pay bills from the beginning. And that's like really unheard of. Um, and I've never dealt with a ghost kitchen and um it was great like they do the garbage for you um they set everything up and also their partners right so they take a small percentage of what you make but they do a lot so they take the garbage they clean your kitchen um they also do a lot of promotion for you right it's a really actually a really smart idea so if you grow then they grow right so this is business right so if they see oh man these people they're doing pretty good you know what let's push them even harder if they're doing pretty good and then we help them forget it now we're gonna everyone's gonna make more money you know i actually thought about this in covid because my landlord you know obviously carmine he is a, it's a killer the rent i could never you know make like a ton of money there um, i'm not complaining but like you know you're not making a ton of money um and i was like damn like rents should really be like the percentage of what you make gross right like that's really, I feel like, right, I kind of like, like, yeah, like, like housing, like, so, but, you know, but they would have to be stipulations, like, you have to be open seven days a week, you have to be open this many hours, you have to, you know, because if one bad week, if it rains for a week, and you're barely making it, like, you're done, like, it's on you, everything is on you, if one little, we had a gas um, outage once, and um we almost got shut down because the landlord was like well it's not my problem and i was like what do you mean it's not your problem like it's your gas pipes well in the lease it says it and i went to the lawyer and the lawyer was like nah he's right on you so i had to get the chef the chef was amazing i owe this guy so much uh his name is jacob he does this uh he has an ice cream company right now in philadelphia vegan ice cream called float dreamery follow him on at float dreamery this guy's really an amazing guy, like really helped us out. He put a lot of things on the menu, um, makes amazing ice cream. I had wanted to help, like to partner up with him to do the ice cream, but then like uh, COVID hit, so he left and now he's in Philly. But, um, you know, he just got the electric stuff out, said, all right, this is what we're gonna do. And we're gonna do half the menu and we're gonna do it like this and him and um dembo who's the guy that i've been talking about the african guy who works up in the bronx who's you know now a partner him and dembo and dembo was just a worker at that time and he was like i got you let's do it and them two work seven days a week we could fit electric stuff and somehow we we eked it out you know um and without those guys like how it wouldn't be open at this point you know um so you know, these are the things that you go through and like you really need these type of people. Um, I forgot the original point, uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so that's that. So I love this. Um, do you find that, I mean, tell me how you, you're, you're measuring the success you're having in the community and what keeps you going? Because you obviously know that you're succeeding and educating people 
and bringing mm-hmm. them in the restaurant? Like, how are you measuring that? How do you know that you're having this impact? I don't even know. Honestly, it's just how people react. You know, I'm pretty much in the restaurants every day. Miles is in the restaurants every day. And we just talk to people and we gauge what's going on through their energy. We don't really like, you know, we kind of see it with numbers, but it's more of like how people react to what we're doing. I think it's two different things. There's the business and there's what we're trying to do culturally. And when they mix, it's amazing, but sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes we're just giving away food and we want people to come in the space and we want them to experience the vegan culture. So it's really about that. Um, you know, we've been lucky, like I said, like, believe it or not, at Carmine and at Queens, people just walk in. Like, they really do. They walk in and they're just like, I can't even, I, I, I was just walking around and I, like, found this place. Like, wow, this is great. And then you come and you find out it's some, like, singer who has, like, 80,000 followers. You're like, holy cow, like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, and then he, and then he posts about us and then, you know, things slowly happen like that. So we're at, like, this month we're really starting to see that in Queens. Like, you really start feeling that the energy is shifting. Like, again, you, you know, you came last week, too. So even, you know, you guys being there, that was part of that. Like, we, you know. We started seeing like okay like you know things are going to shift a little bit here so you know um yeah that's really how we do we just kind of feel it we kind of wing it you know it's not i don't think it's great like business sense <laughs> i don't know if like you want to run your business that way but that's just kind of what you know how how we've been doing it you know i love it do you and in all of your locations um mm-hmm. Like, do you see a lot of to-go business, a lot of delivery business? I mean, the ghost kitchen, obviously, but is it something that's started, that's been a lot different in, in I mean, in New York? I, I don't know. Is the delivery business something that's really picked up? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, without delivery, we wouldn't have gone through COVID. No way. Like, it's, you know, and more and more you see it. I mean, we have people that come to pick up food at Queens every day. And I'm just like, why don't you just hang out like I don't you know you know I mean like people don't want to go out that much anymore not like it used to be I mean you know um so delivery is super important pickup is super important you know um so yeah no I mean it's been a significant um difference you know uh at Carmine I would say it used to be maybe five percent of our daily intake now it's you're talking about 20 you know, yeah, like it's, it's significant, significant, more catering. I mean, catering, that's really, that's where it's at. You know, we're doing more catering. That's really a great source of uh, revenue. Um, so once you get those going, you know, um, but yeah, to answer your question, we definitely have definitely seen an uptick for sure. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I mean, I don't know if what we if we covered everything, but we certainly put a chunk in 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 all of it. What is it that if you could share with with the community or um, with the, the team members in your business or whatever? How would you inspire people? Um, what motivates you? Like, how would you inspire them? I mean, how do you go about all of this? I mean, you're inspiring people every day, so I think you've had good role models but what has that looked like for you what have been your role models who has inspired you and motivated you 
Um, I mean, a lot of it is uh, the people you see on the walls. I love creativity. I love people that uh, change. You know, I think change is really hard to do. Um, I think change is, you know, uh, something that people find hard to do. So a lot of the people that I admire are people that I see that have been able to change. Like one of my biggest inspirations has always been Malcolm X. Malcolm X was, and maybe not for the same reasons that maybe other people, you know, have been inspired by him, but I really admire him because he changed so many times in his life. And he was able to leave behind these habits that he had that were making him a powerful person. When he was on the street, he had power, he had prestige, he had money, and he left that behind. And he became, you know, uh, a uh, Muslim, he became an activist, and he was super powerful. Super, but, and then he was changing again, right? Before he was killed, he was changing again for like, you know, a uh, third time, right? So for somebody like that to give up the, these things that like brought him so much prestige and power and to be able to say nah what really matters is my integrity and this is who i am now and i'm willing to you know die for who i am at this moment that is super inspiring um and that's kind of what i feel like our vegan coach is trying to do is trying to give people the a reason to change and to say hey you know what i know i've been doing this for so long I know it brings me comfort. I know it brings me joy, but I'm a better person if I make this change and I know it's hard, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know? Um, so that's kind of, I feel like what we try to do, like I said, my team is very small, but we all really believe in the same thing. And I think that that's what pushes us forward. Um, and that's what we're going to continue to, to, to do. And, we're actually, you know, we're trying to make a business out of it, you know, so, <laughs> you know, which I, you know, uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, so far, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun. It's kind of like the way that I want to live. And we're finding a lot of people, especially now, are really starting to kind of want to live in that way as well. And they're seeing that they need to change something in order to move forward in a healthier way. Um, it's more important than ever as we see it. Um, so... You know, I would say, yeah, I would say that's what it is. Uh, I love a lot of sports people. I love Mike Tyson. Again, he's another one. Mike Tyson has changed many times in, 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 in his life. Like, he's gone through a lot, and he just continues to grow. He continues to educate himself. He continues to practice what he preaches, you know. Maybe sometimes it's not the healthiest thing that he's doing, but he's going 100%. So eventually he will get there because he wants to, right? So... Um, and I admire anyone who trains hard, gets up at 5 a.m. for no reason other than, hey, I want to better myself, you know? So those are the people that really inspire me, and that's really what you need to do if you want to own your own business and be your own boss. It's like no, one, no one's going to do it for you. You got to get yourself up. You got to do it. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I think. <laughs> And it definitely sucks sometimes, but at the end of the day, oh I think the re the reward is the, the the people you impact. Of course, yeah, 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 for sure. 
So I appreciate your time, David. I'm really going to love having you back on in a few months. We can talk more about this. I'm sure I'll have more questions. Um, thank you for the honesty and, and taking the time. And again, for the hospitality, I loved eating at uh, Urban Vegan Roots both times. I had two chicken sandwiches and I did the burger. I loved all of them. I'm The chicken sandwich obviously stuck out to me for some reason. I, I really enjoyed it. So I will thank be you. back appreciate for that. As, thank you. Thank you. Um, so thank you guys for everyone listening in. Will you tell us, David, where they can find you guys online, where your addresses are and how they can order food from you guys? Yeah. Um, well, we're all, uh, Carmine. We have three locations. One is at 41 Carmine street in the West village, New York city. Um, the other one is at 34 47 31st street in Astoria. And the Bronx is 2368 Hoffman Street. Um, all of, you know, you can find, you can order online through our website, which is urbanvegankitchen.com or Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash. We're on everything. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you guys for listening in. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. If you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And if you're interested in being on the show or you have questions for any future entrepreneurs on the show, you can DM us on Instagram or text message us on the number that's on our Instagram page. So thank you guys and we're out.